0: Welcome to a Come Follow Me podcast, everybody. We are so excited to have you with us. This is a podcast for seminary teachers by seminary teachers as we discuss the Come Follow Me curriculum and what it might look like in our classrooms.
1: By you. Oh, there you uh-huh. are. Huzzah. What's up? Well...
0: I am in my house currently, the other house, and they are redoing the whole water system. So if we get interrupted, it's the Culligan man. So
1: uh, anyway. Well, that's a pain, but you know what? Good. Let's get yeah. it done.
0: If it makes the water stop smelling like a fart, it's worth it. So yeah. that's what we're headed for. What about Not you?
1: i every time. i just doing my stuff.
0: How, um, yeah, we're, we're talking a little earlier this week than we normally, we usually get it at the end of the week, but, uh, how's Amos and Joel going so far? I'm not Amos, sorry. Uh,
1: Hosea and Joel. So, um, I did well, so this week our doctoral mastery was Amos 37. And so I took the first two days and worked on those. And then, so did Hosea today and it was, it was great. I mean we started by talking about what's the difference between a betrayal and having your feelings hurt. Yeah. And then which relationships are the biggest betrayal? So I gave gave them six options. A spouse to spouse betrayal, a parent to child betrayal, a friend to friend betrayal, a teacher to student betrayal, a boss to employee to betrayal. There's probably another one in there. Teammate to teammate. And we just talked about what what makes one a bigger one makes it you know what the, what are the stakes, where are the rip you know how far out can the ripples go? Yeah. Um, read through Hosea, um, and then talked about how do you fix if you have betrayed someone? What do you got to do if you've betrayed your spouse? What are the possible steps there? And anyway, it was Good, it, connecting that, that seem to be him the him, savior's him. attitude is. No, no, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back. So you don't have to not repent because you think it won't work. It it will work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've gotten a lot of uh, good use out of the whole insight that came out of last week's conversation about the difference between a covenant relationship between a parent and child and a covenant relationship between spouses. Mm -hmm. That's come up a bunch and been helpful I did a fireside, um, well, I I went to a youth conference and spoke on Saturday talking about the for strength of youth, and it was relevant there to to talk about how, what it seems like we are being prepared to do as a people through President Nelson's um, prophetic priorities of learning how to hear God, let him prevail in our lives, you know, so on, is that God's trying to mature our relationship with him. That he doesn't want to have to be always telling us what to do, and we're the obedient children. That we've got to eventually get to this place where we're kind of working together, you know, more like the spouse relationship. Um, you did Amos too, though, this week, huh? Because that's what I actually have for next week in the middle Amos of a week. What's that? Amos three. Yeah, Amos three. Um, yeah. which so this week's tricky, this this week coming up because the Amos Obadiah is one lesson in our seminary manual, and it's what's supposed to carry the whole week. We're going to have two days of Amos three seven because of the doctrinal mastery verse that lies here. We're going to split up the one lesson into two lessons with an Amos lesson and an Obadiah lesson. Um, usually those lessons are too packed with you can't teach it all in one thing anyway, so maybe that'll work out. But then that leaves us with the fifth day that's still wide open. I've got set up here to do some assumption practice, doctrinal mastery, think like a disciple, but might also be a good day for a Q&A, like you've talked about in the past about how to set up a Q&A. What do what you... have
1: to do the... Uh, we've got to do the assessment. We're pretty close to needing to do that. So I may do oh, that. Oh, yeah. There. That
0: may not be a bad time to do like the assessment. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've got the assessment a little bit further down, but
1: yeah, now would be... You could do it earlier. I also... With Obadiah 121 Saviors come up yeah. on Mount Zion, I mean that could be a day. Talking about you know, temple work. Family history and being a savior you know, providing ordinances for people on the other side of the veil. Yeah, I mean, easily. Enough roots tech stuff. You know what I mean? You well, can, and yeah, yeah everybody
0: pl- can pull out their phones and you can do it right there in class, right? You can actually mm-hmm. find names mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, thinking about Obadiah to go out of order. Um, I was, I was watching the Bible project video on the book of Obadiah, which is just one chapter. And it, it is kind of an interesting, so I don't know if you've noticed the pattern I'm noticing. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, um, Hosea, uh, and and Amos, they all have this similar, uh, you're wicked, you're going to be destroyed, but God's going to restore you. And then you're going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. Like all of it is scatter gather, scatter gather everywhere. Um, and Amos is a contemporary of Hosea from this week, but they're both dealing with Jeroboam the second, which was during a time when the kingdom is the kingdom of Israel is really prospering and everything looks really good. And they're getting pretty fat on their prosperity and getting pretty loose with their covenants. And so Amos is very similar to Hosea and calling him out on that. But Obadiah is a little different because we can't really put it in a place or time. There's just not enough in the book to give us that, but he kind of goes off on Edom, which is the the people that come from Esau, and so this this whole interplay between these two feuding brothers and now the feuding people that come from them, and one of the things the Bible Project presents is that um, Edom. We kind of follow their trajectory in the book of you know they they abuse the Israelite captives as they're being taken away from uh from with the Assyrians. They they exploit and they plunder and they're pretty awful. But then the Lord, like very specifically, it talks about how they will be gathered as well. And so, you know, in the spirit of Obadiah and the saviors on Mount Zion and doing family history work, there does seem to be also this feeling from Obadiah that just because we're dealing with people who were jerks, and sometimes in our family history, we can uncover some jerks, um, yeah. doesn't mean the Lord is does not still have a plan of redemption for them, which is a little wrinkle I've never seen before in that book.
1: You know, to to I, I listened to a little bit of John Hilton the third on um on Hosea for this last week. Yeah. And it's it's interesting he said, you know, he points out this idea that Gomer doesn't go back to Hosea. Hosea goes looking for Gomer. Yeah. Yeah. Just this idea that it this isn't like, oh, one day you guys will repent. It's I will come and get you and help you want to repent, you know? And again, that seems to be just a a repeated message. I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to feel after you. I'm going to put you in a position, even if you're you're struggling right now and not the type who will want to repent, I'm going to find a way to help you repent.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I think sometimes as Latter-day Saints, and maybe even in my own mindset about it, when that person's ready to accept the gospel, they'll come asking for it. And and maybe no, actually, right? With Amos 8, where it talks about the famine in the land and, and not of food and water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. You know, I want to go back now and look at that in light of this and see, is there anything, I guess I always assume the famine would drive them in hunger pangs to the Lord, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe they don't know where to find it, right? They're hungry, but they don't know where to find it. Hence, the reason Israel's got to be gathered, you know, through the agency of the church of Jesus Christ, you know,
1: that's interesting. And God will feel after people and God will put people in positions where repentance looks like a good option, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. That's good stuff. So, so with Amos, then Amos is only half of a lesson, but that one's by far the bigger book. It's got a bunch of chapters and, uh, you know, obviously you've got Amos three, seven, which you're going to spend a day on the know the doctrine part. It's a big deal to talk about yeah. prophets and yeah. the mysteries, but you know, there's, there's a lot going on in there. What, what are your plans next week? You've got, you've, you're going to put in the assessment. You've already used your AMOS to two Dr. Mastery days. So what else are you going to try to put in
1: there? Um, I may take a day and just do like some skills, some skills. Like study, you know, skills. Yeah. How, how to study. How do you study a conference talk? You know, got, kind of reviewing some stuff like that. Not a bad um, idea to review. Yeah, because yeah, I'll just do some things that that we you know we've I've gotten after one of my classes pretty good over the last couple of weeks, right? And and they're doing great. So now I kind of want to take advantage of this and say, okay, now like, let's you know we talked about the mark one good. thing, write one yeah. thing, you know, study at home. I I kind of want to practice some of that in, in class. And I don't.
0: Did you talk about that on the podcast? Because maybe I need you to explain that. Because I think it's a good idea. It may have been just our conversation. Um,
1: the right one. We thing. just were talking about. We were talking about. The, I was asking the kids what kind of momentum they have with their personal scripture study, and the majority of the kids said, "I do it, and I'm pretty faithful, but I'm not having a lot of aha moments. I'm just, right. I'm Which just we, getting it done." And we talked about how no, that's there's worse things. Some people are not getting it done. You know. But if we want to make this meaningful, so I just gave them a little invitation to take three or four days, study the scriptures until you have marked something that stands out to you, and you've written something in the margins, a question, a comment, an idea, whatever, and make sure those two things happen. So it's mark something and write something. And man, so I'll, so the next day I said, all right, how many of you were able to mark something and write something? You know, a number of hands go up, and I'll just say, all right, Katie Joe, what did you mark? What did you write? well, I was in this book and I, I I marked this phrase, you know what I mean? It, I, I was surprised, well, kind of surprised at least how readily the kids could recall what they had studied and why it was meaningful. So it's yeah. been, that's been great.
0: Well, yeah. So this is, that, that's why I love the idea when you first gave it to me, because I know a lot of my teachers do struggle. They want their kids to share experiences they're having at home, but um, students just don't naturally, they don't connect the two things and it's just not there. And, you know, but but if you could spend a little bit of time and, and you do need to spend time just presenting teenagers, the idea is not enough, but to call it something that's kind of sticky for the brain to write yeah. something, to, to mark something, to write something, to give them a chance to just practice in a block. Just you're looking for one thing to mark and one thing to write. And and you, know, you could spend 10 minutes doing something like that and then just sharing them a little bit and then just yeah. making it a challenge for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to ask every day at the start of class, who who uh, marked something who wrote something and let's just share a handful of those and see if we can't if that doesn't help improve you know our desire to study the scriptures and our our um, actual experience once we're in there.
1: yeah and I said, listen, you don't have to have marked or written something huge. yeah don't, don't, let's not put a bunch of pressure on ourselves. find something you feel like was just a little insightful. It just was a little mini aha moment for you that's all yeah, and yeah. that's been great.
0: Yeah, I had a friend once who said when he was in law school, uh, he really wanted to make sure he didn't lose track of his spiritual side because he was spending so much time on his academic side and his career. That he would read his scriptures until he had really felt like the spirit had said something to him. I said, "So you didn't set a time or anything?" "Oh no, I, I just I would study them until I felt like God had talked to me." And and you know that that's kind of an interesting return missionary, married, you know, maybe harder for a teenager, but if, if you just found yourself glazing your eyes over two pages for, you know, however long you said you were going to read for, or for a chapter, that may not be as beneficial as if you just are looking for something to mark and something to write, because you're actually just trying to have
1: God tell you something. I want to engage in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to the kids, boy, if you find something to mark and write in five minutes, great. You can keep reading if you want, but you've had a good experience, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um it's the reason why we study the scriptures. If we're just trying to get through a book so we can check some box, that's one thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's one thing. But if you're trying to have daily experiences with the word of God and him talking to you, which I'd argue is probably better. Um, yeah. This is, this is a simple way to help teenagers guide them yeah. to do that. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking ahead because the next week after, is uh jonah and micah and that's thanksgiving week so there's only two days that week Um, and you may feel like you need a little bit more room for jonah than just one day we often just focus on jonah and the whale and we don't get to the actual point of the book which is chapters three and four um and so it it may be worth also as you're looking ahead to just say i'm going to introduce jonah um and the idea of genre which let me just explain quickly Sometimes I think when we read the Old Testament, we forget that it's a library of books rather than just one solid book. And in yeah. a library, you're going to run across all kinds of different types of literature, genre. You'll have poetry, obviously, history, prose. Um, but you'll also come across things like the book of Jonah, which a lot of biblical scholars think is meant to be satirical, like kind of funny. Um, and it's, uh, it may or may not be like history, but it doesn't seem to be written. be a history more than it's written to be a story with a point and that that's helpful when you read jonah because if you think it's history you might spend too much time um on the wrong thing which a lot how
1: big a fish's stomach can be
0: exactly and can a person really survive in there or or just focusing on the part of the story where the prophet runs away and you can't get away from god you know that versus reading all four chapters as a whole realizing that the question that the whole book ends on in chapter four, is kind of the key question. Anyway, so you may want to jump into Jonah just knowing you've got a really short week after that, and then after Thanksgiving, I mean, we've got a bunch of these little, small, minor prophet books, um, before we hit Malachi with its two doctrinal mastery verses and plenty to talk about. But uh, you know, you might start looking over your weeks, multiple weeks at a time, just to see what needs to be fit in where with assessments and whatever. Um, I even I don't know if this is a good idea, but because we're so crammed in in January, once we get back from Christmas break, that we've already come follow me already moved on from some of those early Christmas stories. I thought yeah. we're already doing Christmas on the week of December 19th through whenever your Christmas break starts. Why not jump into some of those first lessons like Luke? Like I, I put in actually Luke 2 the doctrinal mastery lessons, the one that does the know and the one that does the practice. Even though it's on this end of the year, it's Christmas time. These verses are Christmassy. And then you, in January, you don't have to try to fit them in. You can already kind of yeah. get a head start on them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: But but yeah, with these few weeks left, it it's time to kind of see where things fit in a holistic way. So I'd recommend that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I like it. <laughs>
0: Yep. Anything else you want
1: to present to these people? Well, yeah, let me say one more thing. We've had a little conversation under faculty over the last, basically the last 24 hours on the importance of not letting this part of the year be a time where student. So what I'm noticing as the principal here is we're having more and more students kind of take advantage a little bit of their teachers. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm being late. I'm being much later. I'm just kind of playing games on my phone during the lesson. I'm sloughing. You know, we had a couple of girls just hang out in the bathroom the whole hour yeah. a couple of days ago. Yeah. And it is just it is that time of the year where students are pretty familiar with their teachers. Uh, they're pretty familiar with what's going on. They kind of know I've got really nice teachers. I could probably get away with stuff before. I just enjoyed having a good relationship with my teacher. Now I think I could use it, you know. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about the idea that that teenagers do like boundaries, they appreciate boundaries. Now is not a good time to say, well, I wanna I wanna stay friends with them. I'm gonna let them do whatever I want. We'll just we'll start over in in you know January first. No, 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 no. Have expectations, express them in loving ways, in clear ways, so that there's no misunderstandings. And help students have a good experience within the bounds of seminary. You know what I mean? Like Now's not a good time to just say, oh, I don't want to ruin relationships. You don't have to ruin a relationship to correct a kid and help them have a better experience.
0: And it's better to do it now than when it gets out of hand or when you're getting close to the end of the year and a kid's got a pile of makeup work and now you're
1: or you're so frustrated you end up doing it in an unkind way because you're just out of patience yeah you know? yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it's it, i think there's wisdom in not just holding on till january like there there's wisdom in let's if we do a little bit of expectations and some a little tweaking and correcting here it'll probably pay off you know in big ways during yeah. February and March, you know,
1: next semester. Yep, absolutely.
0: That's good. That's a good reminder, everybody. I like it. All right. That's all I got. Well, that's good. I think we've done enough good here. We'll call it.